Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, Marshfield and the rest of the South Shore of Boston. My name's Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own, and I really like it that way, Financial Talk Radio Show. Uh, let's see, we have a plan today here, and the plan is a continuation of a plan on a show we did about three weeks ago. The, uh, the official title of this show is Retirement Checklist, and so all of you folks that are, by the way, even if you're in retirement, you need to, to listen to some of this stuff, uh, and uh, if you're starting to think about retirement and getting uh, reasonably serious, you should probably stay tuned, and if you're in your 30s and 40s and don't even think about it, well, you might want to stay tuned because uh, there's some stuff that if you got started earlier in your life uh, and actually thought a little bit about it, you might be a whole lot better off downstream in your life here. So anyway, uh, I, we, we did that show, Justin and I, I believe it was on August, uh, July 1st, but if I have the date wrong, it was like three weeks ago, and uh, we had four pages of material and barely got through the first one, so uh, I, we, we think that went okay, but we're going to kind of continue that. But anyway, let me introduce a friend of mine who's going to keep me company this morning, because I 
My son Justin is camping someplace in the wilds of New Hampshire, by the way, with, with his sister's family. And uh, so t- four adults and six grandkids on a camping vacation. So, so uh, you, you got recruited, Mark. Sorry about that. So Justin was going to keep me busy, but he had plans. So a, a dear friend of mine from a long time ago uh, and presently who is, is also in the financial business, Mark Collier. So good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, thank you for pinch hitting here. I very much appreciate that. You've done that from time to time. Uh, so before we get started, uh, why don't you do a little uh, who, who you are so people know the, that they'll listen to somebody smart and experienced, okay? Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, probably smarter than most of the listeners. How about we qualify that? Well, so. I'm not even sure about that, but we'll give it a shot. <laughs> okay. Uh, my name is Mark Collier, and I've been in the uh, financial service business since... Um, you don't even want to say anymore, right? now. Well, I think, uh, <laughs> is it 19 or 18? No, 1985. Already. Uh, prior to that, I did work as a financial analyst at General Electric Company. And uh, like Mike, um, have been doing this type of work for a number of years. Uh, the name of the firm I'm with is Axial Financial Group. Uh, we do have three offices, uh, main offices in Burlington, Mass., uh, two other offices, one in Quincy at Marina Bay uh-huh. and a third in Hyannis. So um, uh, the company has grown quite a bit. Uh, our advisory services and securities are offered through <laughs> Commonwealth Financial Network. Maybe you used to do this, Mike? I did. Had, had to get that legal stuff in there, didn't we? Yeah. Huh? Okay, yeah. Member of FINRA and SIPC. And it is a registered investment advisor. All righty. And, and Mark, uh, as we go through the show, if some folks would uh, like to give Mark a call about anything afterwards, why don't you throw out your own phone number there? Because, hey, there's plenty of folks in the South Shore who need help, you know? Sure. Um, the telephone number is 781-273-1400 or Mark, M-A-R-C. Remember, M-A-R-K. Mark yeah. is just another I, word. I understand. K. Yeah, yeah. M-A-R-C <laughs> at Axial, A-X-I-A-L-F-G dot com. Already. Super. Uh, thank you for that. So, folks, uh, so here's here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend uh, probably three, four, five minutes kind of doing a quick very quick summary of the two-hour show that Justin and I did that covered a a bunch of the topics. And I didn't want to kind of start in the middle there, so I kind of wanted to have people catch up. And I'm going to try to do this in the next three, four, five minutes. Uh, I'm I'm reasonably good at condensing things if I have to. Uh, And then we'll kind of step into the sequence and see how far it goes. And uh, we may well not finish uh, all of this Mm -hmm. stuff, and that's okay, folks, because anything we're talking about here is uh, pretty important if you're in that retirement mode one way or another. And uh, yep, it's a a long get-ready checklist, and we don't kind of we like to kind of take our time with things here and explain it and have people think about it and hopefully we speak in English and everybody understands what's going on here. So if you've listened to the show before, you probably know that. So anyway, uh, as we go along here, uh, this is a, a call-in talk radio show uh, and uh, you, you will not be interrupting us if we uh, say some things that uh, you might have a question about or a comment uh, you know, or, or a good or a bad story that would help illustrate the point, uh, something like that. Uh, and uh, our telephone number is 781-837-4900. Uh, and uh, by the way, this is a blockbuster announcement. Well, maybe not. But anyway, uh, we now have a website called McNamara on Money. Yes, McNamara Financial Services is a, bo- a business here. But we figured out that maybe we should have a website 
just devoted to the radio show, and we do. So it's called McNamaraOnMoney.com, strangely enough. And if for some reason or other uh, you're a little shy about calling and asking a question, or if you're too busy, or if you're not near a place where a phone is or whatever, you can go to McNamaraOnMoney.com, and on that very first page is, did you have a question for us? And so if you did have a question for us, uh, we, we probably won't answer it during the show. In fact, I can guarantee you we won't answer it during the show. But uh, when I get back in the office Monday, I'll take a peek. And uh, any questions that you might have or comments for us, so we'll, we, you can do that uh, via the website. And uh, n- not as personal as a phone call, but uh, certainly better than not getting your question answered. So that's kind of where we are on that. Um, anyway, so here's the first. And this, yeah, this might take five, six minutes, but... Sometimes I just get going and it takes longer. Okay, so um, I'll start off the show by saying that the the way I looked at this is that it's called Retirement Checklist, and, and I presumed that folks listening to us would be doing this on their own. Okay, so, so these are the things you need to de- do on your own, okay, to kind of make this work, okay? Okay, so that, that's the assumption I'm working under and how I've kind of structured the questions in the show. But my mission is to scare the heck out of you so that you probably go see a certified financial planner and get your act together because you're going to kind of figure out fairly quickly that some of this stuff is perhaps beyond your ability to comprehend, uh, and I'm not implying anything about your intelligence, but here's a lot of moving pieces in this retirement scenario, folks, and, and like anything else, uh, you know, if you don't do it for a living and, uh, you know, you're talking about the rest of your life, yeah, you might want to get some professional help about this, so pardon my my commercial for a sensible financial advisors, but, you know, we're in the world for a reason, I think. So anyway, uh, so the, the first section here is called the math, okay, and I'm just going to kind of run down these points, and Mark, just interrupt any time, okay, if you got a comment or something comes to mind, uh, and probably by at least, the, yeah, my goal is to finish this up by, in 15 minutes, by the 8.30 break, plus or minus, okay, Tim, is that clock, 8.14.47, what do you got in the real studio? Your clock's 90 seconds fast. 90 seconds fast. Okay, so start. All right, I gotta, I'll keep you on time. This is tough to process. I just want you to know. But anyway, we could fix the clock here. It's just but, hey, numbers. Well, you know, but this is like a big deal. Anyway, <clears throat> so the math. Okay, first of all, this isn't math, but it's important. Talk with your spouse and make sure that you're on the same page. Folks, you have, you know, you know the men are from Mars and women are from Venus. It also applies for many folks with regard to retirement and retirement plans and what you think it's going to be. So... If you happen to be married, I'm thinking it would be a really good thing to sit down and have several long conversations, perhaps over a bottle of wine some evening, about what your retirement's going to look like and how that's going to work. So that's number one. Talk with your spouse. Get on the same page. Mark. Already he's talking. Okay, go for it. Okay. No, I'm going I'm to try to hold back so we yeah. can get to the new material. Yeah. But I just wanted to second that in my career, having couples come in, prior to retirement <laughs> is the I, I time don't. we both all three of us discover we're not on the same page <laughs> one, one spouse says something the other looks exactly. at them like they're out of their mind exactly. right? <laughs> one is ready and one isn't <laughs> there you go okay so if you have any kind of retirement plans and by the way if you're 35 you should be having some kind of a rough retirement plan folks but anyway talk with your spouse and get on the same page see mike's wife will not I, let I, him retire <laughs> i could write a book on the looks okay one spouse gave to another one one said what are you crazy anyway number two visualize and this sounds kind of 
I didn't have any psychology courses at college and sometimes think that was a lack of experience for me. But anyway, uh, bottom line is, um, you know, what the heck are you going to be doing when you, when you get into this retirement thing? What's a day going to look like? What's a week going to look like? What's a month going to look like? You know, you, you, you got to have some plans, especially if you don't have hobbies, by the way. Okay. Uh, number three, um, you know, again, specifically, what are you going to be doing? Okay. Travel, hobbies, entertainment, recreation, exercise, grand babysitting, uh, okay, caregiving for a, a an adult, a parent, or whatever, but think about the things, the schedules and stuff like that. I will tell you that most of the retired folks I work with, they're much more difficult to get appointments with than the people who are actually working because they're living busy lives, and that's a great thing. Okay, so uh, number four, okay, well, what is your real estate situation? <clears throat> when you're having that discussion over a bottle of wine some weekend evening, you might want to talk about, well, are we staying in this house forever? Is it our retirement home? Are we planning on downsizing? Do we have to move someplace to follow our kids because we want to? Or this or that or the other thing. So <clears throat> what's your real estate situation now? And what do you? What would you like your real estate situation to be Okay, in retirement? And for those folks who, in addition to their regular home, have a vacation home or an investment property, that obviously has more, more options. But anyway, what's the real estate situation? That's number four. Uh, number five where will that real estate be? And, and this is a, a trend uh, that I have seen in the last five, five, six years that is quite simply um, mind-boggling, but, but you understand it when I explain it, I guess. Uh, so, so we sit down and we help folks with some pretty serious, comprehensive retirement plans about, I want to do this, I want to be that, yada, yada, yada. And then they get retired, they get settled in, and all of a sudden, uh, the daughter who's living in town with the three grandkids, uh, her husband gets reassigned a different job in Oregon, and they're leaving, okay, sort of a thing. Uh, and if I had a nickel for people who have already been retired, changed a retirement plan location where they would be living, I probably wouldn't be doing this radio show. So, so uh, you know, if, if you have kids and grandkids, you probably are already thinking about, well, where am I going to be retired? But uh, if you're not thinking about that, you better be thinking about that. We have some folks who have three kids in different parts of America, draw a line smack dab in the middle so that they're equidistant or live near one and go visit the other two sort of a thing. So not only do you worry about you know, what your home situation is, one home, two, big, small, whatever, but you also have to worry about where it's going to be because, you know, if you are planning on moving out to wherever because you have a, a son or a daughter there, well, what happens when they leave and you're in wherever and you didn't know anybody but your son, your daughter, and your son-in-law in wherever sort of a thing? So, okay, so that's, you know, the, the where, okay? Pick an exact date to retire. Okay, should be your birthday. That would be it's a nice, easy number. Okay, uh, why do I say that? Because you only get moving if you have a deadline. Okay, you can change the deadline if stuff happens over time, but it, it truly, folks. Okay, eh, I think I'm going to retire when I'm 62, maybe. Uh, you know, no. If if you are going to, uh, you know, think serious about retirement, you need to pick a date because. That's your deadline, and it will provide you motivation and structure for going from point A today to point B then sort of a thing. Mark, you have a comment on that? Yeah. Well, yeah, I was just going to say for most people that certainly makes sense. For some people, they don't get to pick the date 
It's already uh, picked for uh, them. Good point. Yeah. So good idea, yep. as Mike is saying, to prepare ahead of time, so that if that date does come, let's say six months or a year prior to when you thought you were yeah. going to retire. Yeah. Good point. Thank you. You're somewhat yep. on the right page. I'm ready. Pick a date, but be prepared for somebody else picking one for you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, all right. Next, number seven. Okay, and this is uh, this is the big one, folks. What are your living expenses right now? Okay, um, folks that we're meeting for the first time. Okay, first or second meeting with somebody we don't officially have as a client. Uh, often I'll get the question, well, you know, or the comment. I think I need about a million dollars in my retirement plan, or five hundred thousand dollars in my retirement plan, and I'm going to be okay. And, and and so they'll say, "That's my number," or they'll say, "What what should my number be? What do I need in my retirement plan?" Yeah. And my comment is, "That's only half the question." Okay, you know, how big your retirement plan needs to be depends on how much you plan on taking from it and how often. Okay, I have uh, folks with seven-figure retirement plans that are taking a couple hundred thousand dollars a year out, they're probably in trouble. Uh, I have folks older than 70 and a half being made to take money out of retirement plans that they don't need, okay? And, and maybe they've got $100,000 in their retirement plan and they're in a lot better shape. So, so folks, it's not about what's my number, it's actually about what, what are my two numbers, you know, okay? And they're obviously related, okay? You need to know your living expenses in retirement, and the first step to do that is to know what they are today and to have them broken out as accurately and as completely as you can in preparation for that. Mark, go for it. Yeah, I think of all the items, <clears throat> to me, this is probably the most important Yep. because I have people come in over the years, you know what my portfolio is, what do I expect in retirement? Well, that's not the right question <laughs> because it may be more than you need, Chances are it's probably less than you need. Or you so, want. Or you want. So <laughs> yeah. the most important thing is to pretend you're in retirement right now. Be a little liberal with your numbers. You know, you want to travel. You're doing things you might not do when you're working. But give that number a shot. Once we as the advisor have that number, we can then give you a much better answer. Yeah, thank you. When, uh, when we have folks uh, go through that process. We send them a budget worksheet if they don't happen to do it on a spreadsheet or a right. you know software, which is 95% of people don't do it that way. Okay, uh, I, I will tell you that the folks that we work with are reasonably motivated about retiring or they wouldn't be sitting in our office. And on average, they miss by 10% on their expenses. So if you're, if you're thinking, okay, these are my expenses in retirement, um, I'm gonna be okay. Well, number one, you probably missed a few things that you didn't think about, and number two, you probably have an incomplete picture of what you're, where you're actually spending money, and and uh, you, you just have to be careful about that. So th this is a biggie, okay? To get it correct now, so then you can look at it and say, well, if I'm retired, this one goes away, this one goes away, but I gotta add this one, and this one gets bigger. You have a frame of reference, and the more accurate and complete that information is, the better you can choose. You know, if, if all of a sudden your retirement plan odds aren't looking so good and you have to trim some, some funds someplace to, to retire, you have a place to look. And then, by the way, you could say, I'll, I'll do a little of this, a little of that. Or maybe you'll say, I'm not doing any a little of this or a little of that. I guess I'll have to work longer to be what I want exactly. to do sort of a thing. Okay, yeah. so it's, it's got to relate, folks. Okay, and, and uh, quickly, and this is just 
one of the most fun things I do, okay, but from sometimes from a client perspective, it's not fun, so I have to be careful. But uh, it, I, I can, within about three minutes, I, if I have somebody's federal and Massachusetts tax return, tell how much they spend in a year, okay? And it's, it's pretty simple here, folks. Uh, if you go take a look at your federal tax return last year, okay, um, you had so much gross income, gross income. So the first number is, what's my total dollars walked in the door? <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, second question is, what was the total of my federal taxes? Not how much you had to re get a refund or pay, but what was your tax bill last year? It was $6,000, whatever, okay? Then you go to your Massachusetts tax return and you find out your total Massachusetts tax bill, okay? So we got dollars in the door and then taxes out the door, federal and state. Well, we also have Social Security taxes out the door. We have Medicare taxes out the door, okay, if I subtract all of those taxes, okay, that's what you have left. Oh, and then we're gonna take away your retirement plan contributions, okay, from that number, okay? Uh, and so it's very simple, folks. Start with your gross income, take away your federal tax bill, your Massachusetts tax bill, your Social Security tax bill, your Medicare tax bill, and any amount of money you put in retirement plan, and presto, what's left is what you spend. And absolutely, positively, every time I do that with anybody on the planet, what's left is more than they told me what their <laughs> expenses were. <laughs> By the way, there may be some reasons for that, but it's a good start. So a good thumbnail start about what your expenses are. By the way, don't start with a tax return. Start with your own budget and use that as kind of a double check. But it'll scare the heck out of you folks, but it's a good way to do it, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, so do a double check with your tax return, okay? And then, yeah, take your expenses now and think about retirement. And you really have to think about retirement in terms of what their expenses are gonna be. Uh, let's see, my car is paid off, I'm all good to go. I don't think so. If you're gonna retire at 65, you're gonna buy about three more cars in your life before it gets over, and that doesn't count your spouse, sort of a thing. So, so there will be things in retirement. You know, if you haven't had much fun in your life because you've been working like a slave, you're not going to have a very good guess about how much money you're going to spend on vacations. You're going to have to do some research, sort of a thing. So, so spend a lot of time thinking about what you're going to be doing, which translates into usually spending some money and trying to get that cost effective as best you can so that you can, you know, this whole thing is just math, folks, okay? But you got to get the data right before you go there, okay? So that's, uh, that's the be careful, but think about what you're going to spend in retirement, but you can't do that unless you know what you spend now. Okay, Mark? Okay to move on? Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, so, yeah, and, and by the way, on that subject... <clears throat> Um, going forward in your life when you're retired, are there some lump sum expenses that you're going to face that you, you forgot about? Lump sum being per, maybe perhaps buying a car or a boat or an RV or some other vehicle. A lump sum being I want to do the bathroom before I retire or weddings. Those would be lump sums uh, or big family vacations, uh, you know, of a lifetime sort of a thing uh, and or gifts willingly to kids or gifts necessarily to kids to help them out sort of a thing. So all of those are experiences of life uh, and uh, you've had them before you retire and they ain't going away after you retire. So you kind of have to think ahead about them. some of those you can plan for. Obviously, right. some of them you can't. <clears throat> yeah, I think that travel and vacations is a big uh, goal, I find, with retirees. Yep. But don't forget, there are some expenses that do go down. Yep. Not a lot, but, you know, your commuting expenses, your lunches out, and uh, maybe if you do pay for your own travel for work. So don't forget to 
subtract those yeah. as well. A but uh, generally, the, uh, my point here is that most people <coughs> find they spend almost or as much or more in retirement than they did when they were working. Yep, or, or they managed to find a way if they didn't know about that anyway, right? Ab absolutely, okay. So let's see, number uh, 11 here. Oh, we're moving right along here. Okay, when you construct your budget, differentiate between necessary expenses and discretionary expenses. Let's see, wants versus needs, I guess is how I describe it. Okay, your, your uh, electricity bill, okay, and your heating bill are necessary expenses along with food. Um, dining out is not a necessary expense, it's a, a discretionary expense. Travel, vacation, although some people may decide that dining out is a necessary expense to X degree. Okay, I don't care folks, but look at that list and break them up into stuff I need and then break it up into stuff you want and if you do have to trim some pennies later on down the line, you got a place to start. Or, by the way, if you have some pennies left over you didn't think you had, you got some places to where you can increase those things and make them work. Okay? So, yeah. wants versus needs. Yeah, this is also important, as we'll get on to <coughs> later, depending on how we structure your investments, to cover your discretionary expenses versus your necessary expenses. Wants. Very important um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. exercise. Got to ma go match up, right? Got to match up. Yeah. Wants versus needs, folks. Simple as that. Okay. Um, by the way, remember those expenses that you're calculating. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to spend this much money in retirement. Well, if retirement is five years away, we got to gross that number up a little bit because there's this thing called inflation that makes life a little bit more expensive every year. Thankfully, it's been relatively low for the last few years, but it still adds up. You know, folks, if you're 10 years away from retirement and uh, inflation's 2% a year for the next 10 years, things are going to be 20% more expensive than you planned, and you might want to plan for that, given the circumstances. Okay, this this might actually work, Mark. Okay, uh, and, and number 13, some expenses slow down as you age. Okay, uh, the 85-year-olds we know in our practice don't cra travel quite as much as the 80-year-olds, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, uh, and then last, okay, I, geez, I think I finished that. We're just a little ahead of the, the break time. That's just not bad. Mark, Great. do you have any comments on anything I touched upon that uh, you wanted to well, say something? Well, yeah, we're going to touch on this later, too, but the biggest unknown, in my opinion, is health care expenses. Ooh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, we all cross our fingers, and uh, if you're in good health now, great. Yeah. If you're not, you have an idea what that could cost. All righty. We're back. This is 95.9 FM, WATD in Marshfield, Massachusetts. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money. My sidekick this morning is a good friend, Mark Collier, who I've known for low these many years and uh, who basically looks just like uh, me as a financial advisor. And uh, th again, thanks for keeping me company here. I know I had to bribe you, but it's been worth it, so <laughs> I don't think so. It's okay. Uh, all right, so folks, we're doing a retirement checklist. Um, and uh, when this, let's see, at some point I'm going to post post this on the website, okay, our website, so you can take a look at the outline, but it won't be anywhere near as much fun or comprehensive as listening to us on the show. So uh, we're going through a, a series of checks uh, for folks getting ready to retire. And by the way, if you're already retired, there's a bunch of stuff in here you should probably be thinking about anyway. Uh, and if you're so far away from retirement, you're not even thinking about it, well, you ought to be thinking about it. And if you even thought about it a little bit, 
your retirement might be a lot happier down the line with a little preparation and a little planning. Uh, compounding of interest is the uh, eighth wonder of the world, folks. And if you get started early investing, that's a good thing from our point of view. Uh, anyway, so um, let's see. Uh, the uh, our telephone number, uh, 781-837-4900, if you have a question about anything we're chatting about. Uh, very quick shout-out to the Marshfield Food Pantry. Uh, they uh, need our help. Uh, they, they help a whole lot of families in Marshfield, and by the way, some other surrounding towns on a regular basis. So you can help them out with a donation of food or money. Send your tax-deductible donation to the Marshfield Food Pantry, Boston, Post Office Box 1907 in Marshfield, Massachusetts, 02050 or drop-off donations at their new facility at Library Plaza. Please also visit them at marshfieldfoodpantry.org. Okay, next week's show, join Kirk and Alyssa for... Uh, this is this is the young guy versus the old the 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 young kids versus the old guy not versus but the different spin. Here's the name of next week's show. Are you ready for this? Intersection of technology and finance. Uh-oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, basically. I'm not exactly sure what they're going to get into, but folks, you need to listen because it's going to be important. There's no question about it. Uh, And then uh, on August 10th, hopefully, uh, I'm going to do a show that I'll probably tear up on about six times called Death of a Loved One. Uh, And uh, a fellow by the... I met a fellow named uh, Brendan McNamara, no relation, uh, from the McNamara Sparrow Funeral Home in Cohasset, ooh, just about two years ago when we buried our mom. And... uh, um, Going through that process uh, was, uh, even though I see people go through it all the time in my business, when you go through it personally, it it gets a lot more meaning to your life and how that stuff all works. So we're going to talk about things you kind of have to worry about uh, if you've got a loved one that's probably, you know, that, that's probably, uh, you know, going to die sometime soon or you're just worried about some things. There's a whole lot of financial related stuff that goes along with that whole process. And so, but Brendan's a wonderful guy and I'm thinking he's going to do just great on the radio in terms of that. But th- that's the subject and, uh, you know, everybody's got to deal with that sooner or later. So hopefully it'll be a show that'll be helpful for whoever and however. Um, Okay, so we're on number 14 of my retirement checklist. And yeah, I got 49 of these. I'm I'm, I'm thinking bad thoughts about getting this done before uh, 10 o'clock, but that's okay. Um, Number 14. We're still doing the math, folks. Now it's time for a mortality guess. What does that mean? Well, If we knew when you were going to die, or if you knew when you were going to die, you could make some really great great plans for your life. Uh, And uh, unfortunately, we don't. But you know what? We've got to make that guess. Uh, You know, if you plan on uh, dying at 82 and live to 97, that could be a problem. If you plan on uh, dying at 97 and live to 82, that also might be a problem, mm-hmm. kind of depends. Okay, so so this is always sort of a little scary part of the discussion with folks, but we, we need to make some guesses because people want to know how, how long their money's going to last. And if we knew how long they were going to last, that would probably be a pretty easy calculation, right? Yeah, some yeah. people I, I find too, um, and we ask, uh, what's the longevity in the family? Sometimes that's a starting point. Oh, yeah. If a parent of theirs lived until they were 99, sometimes that means something, yeah. you know. Yeah. 
But I, I just know that everyone wants to go to heaven. They just don't like the trip, that's all. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, we, we would, <clears throat> you know, the, the people that are living longer and more concerned about running out of money than perhaps they ever were, and it's a legitimate concern, okay? Uh, we, we would default to 90 uh, in the plan if nobody had a guess, but you know, we're, 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 uh, I like to call us certified financial guessers because uh, you have to make guesses about things from a financial point of view and folks have to make guesses about things from their life's point of view and when you die is a big one. So a, a big decision and you know, we, we have a few jokes about it, but it, it's a, a pretty, pretty serious component in how successful you are with your money and you know if you go on the conservative side and say 90 or 95 well that's good but if you get too conservative you might not be able to retire to 75 because you got to have more of a pot if you live longer so it's a it's a tough it's one of the biggest variables that goes into the blender i guess when it comes to a retirement plan okay uh okay so number 15 pretty straightforward uh you know uh you need to gather up your income, folks. And when I'm talking about your income, I'm talking about your gross income. So this should be pretty simple for most people. It's a couple of a social security check or two. For fewer and fewer people, a pension check or two. You're shaking your head, Mark. I know, I know. They're going to be gone pretty soon, right? Okay. Uh, and, you know, maybe you've got some uh, rental income from a vacation home or something. Or maybe you plan on working in retirement for a little while either because you'd be bored or because you think you might have to sort of a thing. So gather up all sources of income. And I want to say the word gross income because we'll figure out the taxes later sort of a thing. Uh, so that pretty straightforward step. It, no, no, most people can do that in about 10 minutes. Okay? Yeah, question on um, <clears throat> or a comment on Social Security. Yeah. Clients, so I'm just, just relating some of the questions I get. Sure. Should I count on Social Security? I mean, I heard it's going to go bust, you know. Yep. We have to plan for what we know. We can't plan for what we don't know. So at least in our practice, and I'm not sure about Mike, but I assume he does, we plan it's going to be there yep. as promised. Yep. Who's going to make the guess not? Uh, secondly is Social Security was designed as a safety net. It was not designed as a retirement income. So... You know, keep yeah. that in mind. Social Security, even though it makes up a big part of a lot of people's yeah. retirement, yeah. it really wasn't meant to do that. Yeah, and by the way, folks, if you're in your 30s and 40s and are still listening to the show about retirement, I got a, I got an easy thing for you to kind of get you going on retirement. Just uh, go, go get a Social Security statement and see what it looks like okay, uh, when you retire. And then have your spouse do the same thing if you happen to be married. Add those two numbers up and ask yourself if you could live off them. Scare the hell out of you. Okay? And, and that should be good from our point of view. So if you want to get motivated, uh, if, if you think the average Social Security check in America right now is about $13,000. Okay, that's just average. You multiply that times two and, you know, oh, well, I'm, that, that, that's my retirement income, $26,000. It's probably a half to a third of what you were earning before you retired. That ought to be pretty scary, folks, given the circumstances. Okay. Um, and, and while we're on the subject of, of income, um, there are a number of folks who work for local municipalities, cities, states, and towns, who have what we call a defined benefit pension. And there are some folks in the corporate world who have what we call a defined benefit pension. Bottom line is you've been working there all your life and when you die they're going to send you a check every month. As simple as that. Okay, But you have options about 
what that check might look like. Okay, uh, and so folks who have pensions usually have multiple choices about how they can take their money. The uh, the simplest, most uh, uh, and, and most quoted, but hopefully least used, uh, is what's called a life only option. And what does that mean? I worked for the city of uh, Boston for 30 years. They're going to send me two thousand dollars a month forever. Okay, and if you and if you take that option, okay, when you die, that two thousand dollars a month dies, and if you happen to have a remaining spouse, that probably wasn't a good plan. Then they have options about what how what can we do for two spouses or whatever. There are too many to even get into. We could do a, two shows on just pension options. But the bottom line is that if you do have a, some kind of a pension, you need to choose wisely about which option that you may take. And it's not necessarily, in fact, usually not the highest number there if you're a married couple. Uh, p- please, oh, please. So take some time with that, folks. Mark, yeah, one, yeah. yeah one, one thing to take a look at, not saying it's an answer, Something we've done for years, and I'm sure Mike has done it too. Take a look at the difference between the life only and the life and survivor. Uh, first of all, who's in good health, who's not. Let's say it's the husband that is getting this larger pension. Could be the wife, but either one, it doesn't matter. Uh, the difference between the life only and survivor, in some cases, is very, very substantial. Yeah. And if that person uh, whose pension it is, let's say the life only person, the difference sometimes can afford them, let's say, a life insurance policy. Yep. That way you still have the larger income. You can take part of that and buy some life insurance to take care of the survivor. It doesn't always work, but yep. it's worth taking a look yep. at. And the earlier you think about that, the better you have a chance. Uh, so, folks, I'll give you, a, a, you know, so let's take a, um, let's take a, I'll do an extreme here just to illustrate the point. Let's take a, a 55-year-old woman and a 75-year-old man and they're married. Oh, 20 okay. years. I, I'm, I'm just, I told you, <laughs> I didn't want to get, it's a family show, but I, I need this number to, to work. Okay, so anyway, okay, so if the, if the man has a big pension, okay, he probably doesn't want to take the life only, right? Okay, uh, and if the lady has a big pension and could retire early, she probably did want to take it. So it ver- it depends, mm-hmm. folks, which is probably one of the favorite answers of a whole bunch of advisors, but, but you need to do some careful work about which of those options that you would take. And I'll be very generic here. If you're a married couple and truly love each other, probably you have to take that lesser dollars to protect your spouse when you're not here sort of a thing. But, you know, that, that's personal choices and personal guesses, I guess is how I would say that. Okay, so anyway, um, so the, the next thing we're going to do, okay, is you're going to take all that income that you're going to have, and you're going to knock on the person's door, whoever does your taxes, and you're going to say, hey, here's all my gross income in retirement, okay, um, would you please do me a favor and calculate for me, hypothetically, what taxes I'd have to pay out of this income when I'm retired? So, I'll, I'll, you know, doing math on the radio is hard, so I'll pick a number. The, the income is $70,000 total from all sources, uh, and uh, the taxes from all sources are uh, $10,000. So I'll make it simple here. Well, then you've got $60,000, okay, to spend. And we, we need to know that. If that $60,000 ha- 
happens to be equal to or larger than the expenses you need in retirement, you're probably in pretty good shape. That's probably not most people, but, but that you're probably in pretty good shape. So you take all the sources of income. We're forgetting about your pot, folks, your, your nest egg, if you will. Okay, if the gross guaranteed income, pensions and social securities, okay, and rents, if you like, but not investment income, if all that stuff comes to actually more than you need after taxes, congratulations, have a nice one. I won't say you should tune out, but <clears throat> you can listen a little less acutely <laughs> because you're probably in pretty good shape, kind of given the circumstances here, okay? For the vast majority of everybody else listening to us, I had 70, I got to pay 10, I got 60. Well, wait a minute, my expenses are 75,000 bucks. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm 15 grand short. What am I going to do? Aha. Uh -huh. That is the nest egg question, folks, and that's how you kind of back into that. So, so if you happen to know, let's see, I'm $15,000 short every year, day one, not counting inflation and stuff getting more expensive. Okay, if you've got 30000 in your retirement plan, you're going to be working forever, okay, because you can get two years and you're done. You know, if you've got a million dollars in your retirement plan, you're probably okay, sort of a thing, okay? So you kind of back into what you need to take from your investment pot. And I sure hope that number works for everybody going forward here. Mark, any questions? Yeah, one, yeah. Of the, one of the major issues here, just to add on to what you were saying, is is the taxes in retirement. So what I would suggest for some of the younger listeners, younger meaning 40-ish and plus Me, in not, that you, area. Not, not 65 us. or 65. <laughs> uh, consider, if you can, consider what your Roth IRA options are. Sometimes the pension plans now have Roth options yep. within them. Because once that money comes out in retirement, assuming you can afford it now, makes a big difference in your, as Mike keeps talking, your net income. Yep. Makes a big difference and could fill in some of that gap. Yep. Folks, there's a, you're probably gonna have a deficit after you take into consideration your guaranteed non-investment income. If that deficit in this example is $15,000, you need to make that up if your retirement plan is going to work, okay? So, you know, so let, however much money you have in your retirement plan, we'll get to that in a moment. But so then you got to say, well, let's see, I know I need to get $15,000 and let's pretend for simplicity, the only assets you have are in official retirement plans, like most people anyway. Okay, so then the next thing you have to do is ask your accountant, hey, I need to net $15,000 out of my re um, retirement plan. How much do I have to take out of there to pay my federal and state taxes and net the 15000 And again, just for a simplistic example, and folks, this may or may not be realistic, but the math is okay. If you needed fifteen, you might have to take out twenty. All right, well then, okay. So now we got a pretty good sized picture. We know that if you add up all your guaranteed income, okay, you gotta take another twenty grand out of your investments, probably retirement plans to be okay. All right, well, now we know some things. You know, this is just a, a math exercise fund of friends, okay? So anyway, so now we got that. Well, now you got to start looking at the nest egg, okay? So now you got to sit down and, you know, total up all the investments you have. But by the way, before you total them up, you got to put them in boxes, okay? Okay, here are the boxes, folks, and there probably are more. But box number one is anything that you have that's officially a retirement plan. That's probably the 401k plans you had at work. 
that probably is any kind of an IRA that you might know, own now. So, so box number one is official retirement plans from which you take money and pay taxes on all of it. Okay, so that's box number one. Box number two would be investments that you have that you own either individually or jointly with your spouse. Okay, we're going to call, call that your after-tax investments, okay, or taxable investments, I should say, better discussion. So money hidden in retirement plans, that's box number one. Investments you have that are not in retirement plans, that's box number two. Okay, annuities, a broad topic, but we'll just leave it at annuities is box number three. And then money in the bank above emergency reserves is box number four. And I'll say that again. You just need four boxes, folks. All my retirement plan stuff goes in this box. Add it up. Okay. Uh, well, you could break out Roth. Yeah, okay. Two boxes in retirement plans. A Roth box and a retirement plan box. So, yeah, five boxes. Okay. An official retirement plan box where you pay taxes and all the money. A Roth retirement plan box if you happen to have one. Okay, a taxable investment box. You know, that's usually an account in your own name or jointly with a spouse. Okay, something called an annuity that you probably don't understand, but put the value there anyway. Okay, and then in the bank, you probably have some cash. Well, you need emergency reserves. If you've got 100 grand in the bank and you need 40,000 for emergency reserves, then you have 60,000 in cash. Okay, folks. If you've got your ducks lined up or your boxes identified, now you can start thinking about where you take the money from and the tax implications on that. Mark, stop. I, uh, this is a lot of discussion here. Help me out. Yeah, I think uh, I, I would agree with that. We look at the, uh, the different boxes uh, that you would have in coming into retirement. I do uh, one other exercise I'll run through there. We talked earlier about fixed expenses and discretionary expenses. Mm -hmm. One of the things I like to do is let's take a look at your income needs from that perspective. In other words, fixed expenses, your things, your electricity, your, your tax, you know, your real estate taxes, all these things that you can easily determine by going through your checkbook, yep. basically. Yep. And then what we try to do is say, okay, let's try to match up how much income we have guaranteed, such as Social Security, after-tax, pension plans, annuities, that type of thing, anything that's a fixed income. So You match it against Now you're matching expensive. that up. Oh, good. Okay, okay yeah, so yeah. now you say, okay, I have X number of dollars in fixed expenses, I have X number of dollars in fixed income, yep. that's either going to cover it yep. or not. Yep. Now we get into yep. discretionary. And the discretionary would probably be coming from your investments yeah, and so forth. Ho hopefully. Okay. Hopefully. Yeah, but, but yeah. But see, it's a little different way to look at it. It, it sure uh, is. If you work with everything, I tend to like to work everything in after-tax dollars. Yep. If you can get your head around that, it's a lot easier to play around with the numbers. Yep. So, so you've, got, you've got these boxes. You know you have to take 15 grand net from the boxes, okay, and then... Then you start looking, well, wait a minute, I've got 40000 no, I've got $45,000 more than I need in the bank. Well, hey, I got a news flash for you, folks. That's probably the first three years of your retirement with that cash. So, so where you take money from and how it is taxed 
are pretty important considerations. You know, I call it the batting order for where you go get money. By the way, maybe you have to take some money out of some places and you don't have a choice. If you happen to be over 70, okay, you're taking money out of your qualified retirement plans, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Well, by the way, so, okay, if they're going to send you, let's pretend this way, they, they send you uh, $15,000 out of your retirement plan, you pay some taxes, I need to get another five someplace else or whatever, okay? So you really... You'll get a headache unless you have those in boxes that make sense for how they're taxed, okay, and how they're invested. Okay, those are the moving parts in those. And, yeah, now it's getting confusing, folks. And well, I, another I, reason yeah. for the Roth is that you're not under that 70 yep. obligation. Yep. And when you do take it, at least under current tax laws, there is no tax. Yep. Yeah. So, again, that adds into the theme. Yeah. And, and, folks, uh, there are, oh, three or four million ways for almost anybody to, you know, to, to, to what, what comes first. How's that, you know, depending on how many boxes you have, you have more choices sort of a thing. So it gets delightfully complicated if you've got a lot of money and a lot of boxes. Good problem to have. If you've just got a couple of qualified retirement plans to your name and... You know, emergency reserves in the bank, then it's real easy. That's where it's coming from, sort of a thing. But if you have some choices, okay, that's a good thing, and you can hopefully be most efficient about what it does. But by the way, don't focus just on taxes. You also have to focus on how they're invested. So lots of moving pieces there. Okay. And and again, we could spend four shows on this subject, but we're just kind of drawing the big picture here. One one more thing, too, to add to your your quiver, if you would. Um, And again, um, this is my approach to it, Mike may or may not agree with this, but we do um, suggest people to take a look at while they're still working, perhaps to get a HELOC, a home equity line of credit, not necessarily to use it, but just to have it. Yep. And the By reason the way, we're on the radio, you have to translate HELOC for some okay. of those folks out there. Home equity. Okay. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll keep home you honest. Equity loan. There you go. <laughs> and a lot of banks today are doing it, you know, because yeah. of competition, they'll do it at no cost. Yeah. Doesn't mean you have to use it. Yep. But that's another basket of emergency money yep. Yep. to have. That'll blend into what we're going to talk about later. But Absolutely. A, b- a backup to your emergency reserves to get yourself in trouble. Correct. Yep. In fact, uh, we, we recommend almost everybody have a home equity line of credit and uh, go from there. Yep. Th- thank you for that. Thank you. Okay. So anyway, so, so yeah, uh, you know, where do I take my money out of boxes? That's a whole art and science in itself, but that's okay. All right. So number 23. Okay. Can, Whoa, that can, was a good job. Can you count on an inheritance? Or do you wish to count on an inheritance? Or do you need to count on an inheritance? Okay. Um, often folks will have parents still alive when you start planning retirement. Uh, I would say the vast majority of folks plan on you know, trying to work their life together so that they don't need that. But there are, are some that, are, that absolutely know they're going to inherit some money. Their parents have told them. And, and by the way, as long as the parents don't end up spending what they would have given to you on nursing homes or other disasters in life, okay, you, you plan for that. So when, when we're planning, okay, for somebody's retirement, we would generally tell them, you know, the conservative thing to do is forget about it and take it out of the picture. And by the way, if all of a sudden the, the results of the plan are you got to work till you're 110, well, maybe you have to back back into that and pray or something like that. But at least you know. You know, the, the whole result of all the stuff we're talking about is that you need to have as good a 
information, as good a bunch of information as you can before you make decisions about this retirement. So, so you know, financial planners, financial advisors, okay, uh, we do the math and show you how things look if you go this way or how things look if you go that way. You, you get to prioritize and choose about how all this works. But, you know, don't shoot the messenger if the math doesn't come out swell. Uh, the math is what the math is. And if you said your expenses are going to be this in retirement, we got to back into that, folks. Well, oh, maybe I better go to plan B or plan C or whatever. Okay? So the short story is don't count on an inheritance unless you've already got it or you're, a- <laughs> you're absolutely <laughs> sure that you're going to get it. And... Still, that's a questionable uh, assumption from my point of view. Okay. So, now we're getting into the investment stuff, folks. It only took uh, two, one and a half shows to get there. But you'll notice where I put this in the batting order because everything else is chronologically and, and, and by the way, in value-wise, at least as important, if not more so, than your investments. Okay. So, the the question is... Plus, the investments are going to be designed based on what you gave yeah, us. Yeah, th- there you go. So we, we need that, all that intel before we can say, hey, you know, what's your investment strategy? By the way, what it is and what it needs to be may be two different things, I kind of given the circumstances. Okay, so the, the official question is, okay, uh, is your investment strategy appropriate for retirement? By the way, if you're 45 years old, your investment strategy is hopefully appropriate for a 45-year-old who's 20 years away from retirement. That's one answer. You know, if you're 65 years old, retiring at 66, that's a that's another strategy. So, so the the book in our business would generally say, as you get closer to retirement, you ought to lower the risk to some degree in the portfolios that you have, because when you're taking money out of your account. And when you don't have as much time to recover, that's a, you're more vulnerable to the ups and downs of the market stuff. So what percentage stocks, what percentage bonds, can't even get close to that in this show. We just have to mention that it needs to be generally appropriate so that you can deal with market volatility when you're taking money out of your account. Uh, and, and when we talk about investments and retirement, your date of retirement and the date you take money out of investments may be two different dates. Okay, so just because you're retiring doesn't mean I got to go to my 401k and take money out of there tomorrow afternoon. You you may have enough money to be okay for two or three years before you have to do that. Or if you come up $10,000 short, you might say to yourself, I'm going to go out and take a part-time job and not take any money out of my retirement plan for a while. And that's only going to increase the odds of success right. if you do something like that. Okay, so so the the stri- the mixture of stocks and bonds that's the big picture. The excitement level that comes with that, how much do they go up or down? Okay, you, you, you got to kind of match that with where you are and where you're going. And like anything else on the planet, one size doesn't fit all. Comments? Yeah, yeah the the rule of thumb I think we all used for years was to take your yep. age. Yep. Uh, and subtract it from 110. Yeah. And that number, yep. uh, if you're 60, and let's say that leaves 50, that would be your percentage in equities yep. versus bonds. Just yep. a rule of thumb. Th- that's a real general rule of thumb. One size uh, doesn't uh, fit all here. We're getting pretty close here. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's probably yeah, it's probably done. <laughs> 